Welcome to Through the Keyhole, uh, the internet's only uh, Oklahoma uh, podcast. That's wild. We're the only one, but that's that's just how we are in this shape in the uh, world today. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, a big disclaimer: anything I say may or name uh, may not be uh, true or false. Uh, but I'm Peyton Guthrie, your host for the Through the Keyhole an OU Fan Podcast. Joined to me, like always, with Matt Burden and Alan Kinney. Um, Matt, how you doing, man? How's it going on your neck of the woods? The only I'm one in the well. Oklahoma City Norman area. Right, right. <laughs> I'm doing well, man. Doing well. I uh, can't really complain. About to watch the uh, game five, the finals tonight. Excited about that. And then, you know, it's a, uh, it's still we're still coming down off that the high from the uh, from the natty. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to beat the natty high. It is indeed, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And Alan. How's it going on in uh, on the East Coast? How's the like? What do you guys do? Like clam chowder or something on Mondays? <laughs> yeah, no, man, uh, I'm good. Like, uh, I guess you know, people like hearing my thoughts on movies. Uh, you know, the founder was all up in my business about <laughs> wanting me to uh, <laughs> go off on some different things. So this weekend, I saw Jurassic World Dominion. Um, it was god awful. Uh, I would give it, uh, you know. Uh, you know, I, I normally give these letter grades. I give this a D minus mainly because I liked one scene, but mm-hmm. it is just atrocious. So, uh, you know, if, if you're a big fan of the franchise and have yet to see it, um, well, maybe you'll like it, but God, I thought it was terrible. There's a, there's a, there's a Twitter account. I think it's called Cinescore where they, they post the scores of movies from the opening night, uh, uh, viewers like these very mm-hmm. early show viewers and it received the exact same score as the batman they got an a minus from first viewers and they said basically it's because most of these people kind of walk in knowing it's going to be a bad movie <laughs> yeah exactly and they it met assume, those expectations yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. they like hey that, that's what i thought it was going to be uh, so if you walk in there thinking this is a bad movie maybe you'll enjoy it <laughs> i guess man poof man two and a half hours oh god i was like when will this end yeah no there's there's the repeat movies and like the regurgitation movies like i didn't enjoy I, the, the the new trilogy of the star wars movies i like the second one because it tried to do something mm-hmm. other two in my opinion were just garbage uh the the jurassic park movies it's like just if if you want to make money just re-release the first one every other year <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah you know, toss that back in there yeah you remember the like yeah like about 20 25 years ago maybe they did like a star wars re-release where they kind of just remastered and they put them out like you know one of the they put them out like every oh you know like uh, maybe a month in between each one Mm -hmm. and they made so much money it was just people going to see the original star wars movies again in the theater but they made a killing it's free money basically to a certain degree i mean it's the old uh disney example of like pulling things back out of the vault and everything yeah. and like the, the demand yeah uh, but but speaking of pulling things out of the vault and paying for stuff uh, you may have heard somewhere else we do have a patreon account <laughs> if you'd like <laughs> to support if you'd like to support us and to kind of get a little more insider stuff uh or just like more specialty uh, interviews uh 
that's where all of those go into the Patreon. For just $4 a month, you can get some uh, small writing samples from myself truly. Um, and uh, the main the main draw of this is, is our interview series where we bring in uh, people from the analytics world, people from uh, NIL world, people from ESPN or other uh, national um media members have really kind of talked specifically about OU or things concerning OU. Uh, and Alan actually has something that's been recorded coming up on Wednesday. You want to give us a little bit of a preview of that? Oh, yeah, sure. It's um, Stephen Godfrey. You may know him. Uh, he wrote the uh, Meet the Bagman story that is really kind of like, in my opinion, when it comes to college football, maybe like the most important, one of the most important articles that's been written in I don't know how long. He is now um, – working for secret base as well as split zone duo. He also, uh, which is his uh, podcast along with Alex Kirshner and Rich, uh, Richard Johnson. He also does some writing for Athlon. Uh, he did a, a show a few months back where he, you know, kind of took uh, essentially the Oklahoma program to the, or not really the program so much as fans to task over um, all the lamentations about Lincoln Riley's departure and uh, he and I sat down and uh, it was a really, really good conversation. You know, I think that my takeaway from it is that uh, essentially I, you know, I kind of couched it as I think this whole thing has been portrayed like in the national media. For some reason, it's get, getting conflated, I guess, with the OU's move to the SEC and, uh, you know, Riley kind of being this weather vane saying, you know, OU's program isn't ready to make this move, which I think is just kind of silly. And, you know, the one of the things that I think the national media, you know, I tried to bring, I tried to bring up with Stephen was like the national media is really disregarding how well, how much I think that this move is going to actually help OU's recruiting. Uh, and that's just something that I don't think, I think national media members kind of look at it like, well, he's recruiting really well already. Uh, and I mean, the thing is, there's still room for OU's recruiting to get better. And, you know, I think that, you know, that is kind of separated OU on the national, on the national, national stage, call it when, for example, playoff games, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got it. So we got it. We get into that. It's, you know, it's a really good conversation. Steven's a, uh, a real good sport for coming on and everything. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it should be. So look for that uh, later this week. Awesome, guys. And you can, uh, on Through the Keyhole, just go to patreon.com, search Through the Keyhole. You'll find us. We're the only ones of that type of name. <laughs> You're not going to get as confused as anybody else. Uh, but through the Keyhole, $4 a month. It's you know a cup of coffee that you can help us out and allow us to kind of search for different stuff and, and tell the story of OU football and OU sports from a different perspective, in my opinion. But before we jump into this next topic, so we're going to talk Lincoln Riley just, a, just for a slight moment because of the stuff that was mentioned, the Godfrey stuff and the things that are in the news today. Uh, I want to bring up our title sponsor because I myself are getting to the point to where I need a nice drink for Vanessa House Brewery to even mention Lincoln Riley's name. But our title <laughs> sponsor, Vanessa House at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Great company, Oklahoma made, uh, Oklahoma owned. Um, it's got the brewery. They have the tap house that you can go in there and enjoy yourself after games. They have uh, video game contests and concerts and uh, uh, tournaments, anything you can want. These guys are on top of it. Um, and myself, I enjoyed the the, uh, the seltzers and stuff. Um, Matt, you, Alan, Alan has never had the the uh, the the joy of being at the Vanessa right. House. But Matt, what what do you do? You get do you drink the four hundred one k there? I mean, what do you get when you go there? The four hundred one k I have had. It is great. It is awesome. I prefer the destination wedding. 
The destination okay. wedding is more of like a cerveza style. You can get, you know, lime and, and some salt on the rim. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with it, man. It's, it is awesome. And then not only that, guys, there's a, there's, I, I know they're, they're not a sponsor, so cover your ears, but there's a hideaway right across the street. Uh, they don't <laughs> serve food at Vanessa house, but you can bring your own food in there. So, you know, a little pizza and beer, you know, always never, it's never a bad idea. Yeah, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Not but guys, time. go 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 visit Vanessa House. Tell them a uh, keyhole sent you. They will look at you in a confusing manner, but they do sponsor us, so we have to be very appreciative. Um, so now that we are uh, uh, properly, uh, uh, what, what am I trying to say here? Inebriated. We can, I can talk Lincoln Riley uh, just a little bit. So Lincoln has the uh, the audacity. The uh, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, just to put his f- foot in his mouth again, or to talk about how he didn't leave OU because he's running from the SEC. He left OU because he's running to USC. And then also mentioning about how he had the, the third or fourth best rosters going into the playoffs. And, you know, potentially that's why they lost and, and things of that nature. Um, Alan, walk me through this. I mean, it seems like every week he calls up some really – soft-handed journalist who's going to treat him with the kindest kid, kiddiest of gloves possible and just basically get whatever he wants written down verbatim. There were two, by the way. I'm sorry. There were two, two? last week. Two last week. One from Dennis Dodd and then one from Chris Lowe on ESPN. Two separate yeah. ones basically saying the exact same thing. Right. And, you know, this is after he went to the uh, softest, the softest focus of lenses with the Players Tribune, which just, uh, you know, published something that I'm assuming his PR firm wrote or something, you know, something like that, uh, Mm -hmm. that was straight from him. Um, Yeah, you know, and again, I talked with some with Godfrey about this. So, you know, that's another reason for everybody to be subscribing and getting that paywall show that's coming up. Um, But there's there's a lot of different motivations i think here going on i I mean i kept looking at because you know like matt mentioned two of these in one week that's a lot now i mean brent venables also got his uh car wash you know last week also but you know it the same it's the same topic that keeps coming up and um you know the question i guess would be why he's doing this now i mean there's you know i guess there's probably you know just trying to engage usc fans at a time you know early in the uh cycle here for him of you know his his life as their coach but i think that clearly the way this sec thing there's something about it's really it's got to be messing with him on the recruiting trail i think um because he's, you know, you look at like the class they've signed from 2023, they've got some heavy hitters in there. I mean, guys like Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon. I mean, OU fans know those guys really well. They recruited OU and had committed uh, before Lincoln Riley left and essentially just, you know, flipped over to USC when he went there. Um, so those are, I mean, but those are, you know, quarterback, receiver. You look at the group he's got there right now for 2023. Not many uh, names, you know, in the in the front seven on defense. No offensive linemen. Um, I think that I just think that that's clearly weighing on him somehow. You know, and he also lost out on uh, Josh Connerly, five star recruit from the Pacific Northwest, who at the last minute signed with um, Oregon instead of USC. I just I think that he's having he's having a harder time on the recruiting trail right now than uh, they expected. Yeah, I don't want to say like 
the the love affair from the national media is over of Lincoln Lincoln Riley, but he is for the he's already getting some pushback. I mean, very little to be honest with you. I mean, obviously we we've seen multiple things go through, but uh, the latest uh, episode of Solid Verbal, or one of the most latest ones, where they talk about give me your hot takes, give me your spicy takes, and uh, someone had wrote in saying Lincoln Riley is going to be uh, Alabama 2.0 in three years or something like that. And, you know, it was either Ty or Dan. I can't quite remember which one. He's like, uh, I'm not for sure about that. If you really like Lincoln Riley's trying to build a plane out of 6'2", 180 pound guys. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's it. Like, they have no defensive linemen. They don't have no linebackers. They have no safeties. They have no offensive linemen. It's like the quarterback, yeah. you kind of hand wave that. Like, of course, Lincoln Riley's going to get a quarterback. But after that, yeah, that that's rough. I mean, if you're trying to build a full football program and you – you remove yourself even further away from where all the big people are. Maybe they just, I don't know. Maybe you're Lincoln Riley's just a really great seven on seven guy or the sec thing has just followed him much, much further than he thought it would at, at this point in time, especially having Dan landing just up North, probably beating that drum to hell. He probably mm. just has a drum that says Lincoln Riley's afraid of the sec and like he's, in he's, his office. Landing's already saying like, we're trying to be the sec of the West and like all this, so like he's already like coining all that. And we've, we've yeah. said this a million times, man. And I feel like everyone said it, USC is going to have a tough time recruiting against Oregon with Phil Knight, you know, getting older and just being like, yeah. Hey, here's my checkbook. Like, here's my checkbook. I, I want to see yeah. a natty before I die. Like, I and, mean, and Dan you know, has with Connerly. Yeah. And, and Dan has such a leg up. I mean, Mario Cristobal, who I don't, I'm not sure if I enjoy him as a strategic head coach very terrible. much in my he's opinion, terrible. But man, does he know how to recruit giant mm -hmm. people? <laughs> and Oregon has that kind of a couple of years of a pipeline of having him on staff, bringing in offensive linemen and defensive linemen. So that's kind of stuff builds and kind of takes care of itself to a certain degree. But Lincoln has to start all the way over. Potentially, he, I, I mean, you know, we all loved Alex to a certain degree when he was here, but he has what, one year, two years at max to get it figured out at USC, or Lincoln's going to have to cut wait somewhere i mean i don't know if i don't know if people are looking at that situation i mean people are looking at the ou situation and being like well i guess they're fucked <laughs> yeah. to a certain degree but they're not looking at usc and saying like what if these five things that could go bad what if half of them do like everyone just seems to think oh yeah it's you know the disney magic or whatever is going to get sprinkled over the program and it'll be fixed when usc has always had major problems even when pete carroll was there i mean he was just super good and brought in a bunch of talent, but booster backing, you know, facility and stuff like that. I mean, it, that stuff's always going to be there. Um, I mean, well, so I, you I know, just don't know, I mean, like, like let's zero in though on some of the stuff that was said about OU's program when he was talking about, you know, I went, I walked into these, you know, uh, playoff situations with the fourth, with the four, number four roster of this group. And like, you know what? I mean, I'd agree. I think so. I mean, he didn't have the roster that an Alabama had or Georgia or, you know, clearly not an LSU uh, that mm -hmm. one year, but like, okay. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with him saying or admitting that, but like theoretically his rosters were getting better. Uh, I think that you can clearly see that from recruiting rankings, you know, talent composite that 
OU was, you know, bringing in more talent the longer he went on there. And it felt like OU was getting, got farther and farther away from the goal of, if the goal is to win a national championship, OU was getting farther and farther away. I mean, you know, that 2017 team, I, I thought that Georgia had clearly had the better roster. And I think that's why they ended up being kind of able to outlast OU there. But yeah, uh, I mean, it was the, the difference wasn't between those two teams wasn't so great that, OU couldn't have overcome those, you know, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, uh, shortcomings, whatever they may might've been on the margins. Uh, I mean that you can't tell me that team wasn't good enough to win that game. And then, you know, potentially who's, who knows what happens in the, in the next round if they do. So like, I mean, I, I think I get what he's saying, but like, I don't, I, I'm just, I think it's going to be harder for him at USC than people realize. I just don't think it's not just USC's problems aren't just USC right now. You know, people that seems to be kind of this thought that, Oh, well the PAC 12 is down because USC is down and it's kind of, I don't know, man. I mean, kids aren't, kids are leaving that area of the country to go play at in the sec or at other programs in large part, just because like, that's where better football is. So yeah. it's kind of a chicken egg thing. Yeah. USC's problem is that college football is a regional sport and that region is the Southeastern part of the country plus yeah. Ohio state. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's it. I mean, that those are the places that play big time football. And we can say the entire SEC, but it's, obviously it's not of them. It's like, you know, four teams in the SEC, but still, I mean, that, that, that's where that's where it go. And, and if you were to juxtapose that with the potential possibility that OU has, I mean, if OU walks in the SEC, and you know, the you know, there's always a thing where it's like the SEC put in 64 players got drafted or something, mm-hmm. you know, some outrageous number, and the Big 12 has 12. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always some big disparity like that. But there's a decent chunk of those SEC teams, SEC guys who got drafted who play for. South Carolina, Mississippi or, State, yeah, South Carolina, exactly. uh, uh, Vanderbilt, who will now be playing for Oklahoma. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, you know, those types of guys will go, yeah, I can just play for this other giant football factory. There's another option for me that I can go to and pick stuff up. Um, but let's talk about OE recruiting in the moment right now. Before, uh, they just, before we move on, yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I had, I just had one more thought on the, the spe- specifically the Dennis Dodd article. Mm. the 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 part we were talking about moving to the sec dennis dodd tried to do this whole like see oklahoma fans he just said that he wasn't he wasn't scared like just (laughs) he he just said that you you know it's true because he just said it i'm like there's he did no pushback no follow-up question just like hey lincoln are you scared of the sec lincoln no see oh you fan you salty oh you fans he said no He said and no. there was wow. there was also something, yep. there was some line in there where they're talking and he's like you know you had a lot of success at Oklahoma clearly you've had a lot of success at USC already and or something like that and I was like yes. he hasn't coached a game yet they haven't played how do you know that like yeah they don't have a single offensive lineman <laughs> committed or anything it's 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 wild there was one thing I'm, I'm gonna jump into it and this may get me in trouble because I, I I'm so I, I myself. I'm uh, going through some uh, counseling and therapy stuff. And I think it's very important. If anybody has anything like that, go and do it immediately. Go talk to somebody. Lincoln Riley's continual 
propulsion to do this is either one, just a giant PR thing, but obviously, in my opinion, again, I'm not trying to identify anything in anybody or, or diagnose, like fake diagnose anybody. There is a certain amount of attention that maybe he's not getting that he's used to getting that he has to keep going out there over and over and over and over and over again to do this. It, 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 I'm not for sure what's happening. I'm not sure why he feels the need to do this. You know, maybe it's my brain rattled. Oh, you fan this. He's thinking like something that like he's missing something. You know, that's something I've been really thinking about is uh, it's a stupid saying, but want what you have, you know, and I think there may be a little bit of buyer's remorse to a certain degree. You know, when, when Riley, because it's really hard for Riley to, anytime you see him on camera and he tries to talk about the OU thing, you can tell he's struggling to make it make sense to a certain degree without just sounding like an asshole. You know, like I'm going to LA, better weather, and they're paying me $12 million. Yeah. Just say mm-hmm. that. But he wants to do this weird thing of like, I'll always love my time there. And I'm so sad it ended and da, 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 da. It, it just seems, I don't, it, it, there's this weird thing of always wanting to be a good, a good person in the eyes of everyone who's looking at him. That's making him twist in the wind like this. That just seems really strange. Well, yeah. Well, like no coach has ever been like, well, they gave me, you know, they gave they up my salary. They they doubled my salary. Yeah. And like <laughs> I mean, like that's never. He's got to he's got to come up with some type of narrative. But it kind kind of just it feels weird when he's talking about like how special the uh, atmosphere was back watching the usc games on tv and it was just different there in the call scene it's like what are you talking about man like you're telling me so <laughs> you were sitting there and you were overwhelmed by the crowd at uh, usc oregon state in 2006 or whatever i mean like come <laughs> on man like like i get it i i know what you're trying to do with this but it just it moot like that's not no one no one's gonna buy that like come on yeah it, it's I don't know. Let, let's close the book on that for now. Uh, Lincoln Riley will probably be a, a, a decent uh, topic tr- a topic starter for us throughout the offseason until football gets played because it's it's uh, free content. They're just giving it away out there. And there will uh, be another couple <laughs> articles, I'm sure. That yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 The, the next defensive lineman that commits somewhere else, uh, there'll be an article about something, uh, which honestly, good for him. He's got the Rolodex of all these guys. He's like, who can I call next to write whatever story I need? I mean, that's good for him. <laughs> uh, but the, let's move over to OU football. OU gets a commit from uh, Cade McIntyre, three-star uh, athlete, 6'4", 205, according to 24-7 Sports. Uh, I've been told uh, he will probably get a cup of coffee at linebacker, but more than likely uh, find himself in that tight end room. He is the seventh-ranked player out of the state of Nebraska. <laughs> Now, <laughs> uh, usually you can give me a top 10 out of a state, and I feel pretty confident. Uh, top 10 out of Nebraska, uh, I'm not as confident uh, on the rating side of things. But 6'4", 205, you can't teach size. Um, so maybe he fills that frame out and he gets a little bit better, uh, gets a little bit bigger and uh, becomes a little bit more of a football guy. But this kind of brings me up to a thing that Alan mentioned uh offline that we have on our, our private discord uh, thing that where we talk about these topics uh OU football basically one five star then uh, a bunch of diamonds in the rough when it comes to recruiting uh at this point in time is this is this a sustainable model or is this just a new a complete new staff having to sift through 
and try to break new, um, try to get into new relationships as recruiting is getting longer and longer out. Like, is Brent's first class actually the 24 class? And this class is a transition class because all those 23 kids are, are, have already been talking to the staff members of other schools for three to four years. Or am I, or am I looking at something that I dumb football Peyton who likes looking at 24 seven team rankings uh, needs to get, just get over it. Uh, yeah. You know, looking at it, you know, I'm not big on the whole, like whenever, you know, you start talking about, Oh, we, you know, we define the guys who just, you know, need to be, who are just need a little bit of developing or coaching or, I mean, I don't really get, get on board with that. I generally think that the uh, recruiting services do a pretty good job of identifying talent. Uh, you know, some of these guys, I have no doubt. In fact, you know, you look at, for example, their quarterback in this class, Jackson Arnold, uh, I think composite wise, he just earned his fifth star. I mean, yep. so you're talking about, uh, you know, making a pretty good evaluation there. I think some of these guys in this class will start rising as the, uh, you know, kind of time goes on. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think that there's a, I like to think that there's a difference. I mean, when you're ending your class with a lot of three stars, you're like right around signing day, because you've missed out on a lot of guys that you wanted who were more, who were more coveted, I guess would be the best way to say it by other schools. Like that's one thing. And, you know, you can say there, oh, we can develop these guys, but the truth is, you know, they're really your third or fourth option. Um, I would feel, I, I don't know if that's the case here with OU because we're so far away from signing day that it, it, I'm not quite sure that these are guys who owe you striking out on so much as, you know, the coaching it is, pardon me, that these are the alternatives to OU, to guys that OU is striking out on versus um, the coaching staff looking at these different players and saying, yeah, okay, we really like this guy. Uh, even what, no matter what his rating is, we'll go ahead and bring him in. Uh, it's just kind of an odd experience. If that makes sense to like, see this happening this early in the cycle would be my, my, the way I'd look at it. Yeah. The thing I'm, the, the, this is like going full 2013 to 2000 to the first Clemson title recruiting mode. This is get a good quarterback. Cause I, I really, this is flipped on how I thought the narrative of, of recruiting under Brent Reynolds will Brent Reynolds would be. I thought quarterback recruiting would potentially be a bit of an issue. You're getting, you'd get good college quarterbacks, uh, you know, four star ranks and stuff like that. But in everything else around it would increase to where it's like, Hey, you look at George, you would never get the Georgia talent level, but look, Georgia, I mean, that quarterback's not making it to the NFL. <laughs> you know, a, you can just you can drive the bus. We can go down there. You don't need a Baker Mayfield to win. You can just you know have offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, safety, you know, stuff like that to kind of build you know build build the plane out of the parts that you need that you need to have, and then have someone there who just doesn't fuck up. You know, doesn't mess up the plays. Gets gets the ball to the monster to the monsters you have out wide to the running back. But it seems a little flipped because now you've got Jackson Arnold, who is now composite five-star. You have uh, DJ Lang, uh, Lagway, um, who is a composite five-star, who I'm assuming is trending to OU. There's all, I mean, he's all over OU social media and stuff as well. So the quarterback recruiting, uh, and they also um, offered Van Buren, who's a high four-star. I mean, the quarterback recruiting does not seem to really have dipped other than they're not getting the number one overall mm -hmm. quarterback. Now you're getting like, 
the fifth or the fourth quarterback, which, I mean, Sam, you know, we're going to do like the, the whatever part. Sam Bradford was a three-star. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. you don't have to be a five-star to do that. Like on an individual level, a five-star player really doesn't matter because you don't know if they're going to work or not. Oh, you, you know, Blake Bell was a five-star question mark or very, very high four-star. High four. Didn't did not turn out the way they probably thought he was going to turn out. But from a you know a thousand foot, ten thousand foot view, as many five stars as possible is obviously good for the program. I mean, you're stacking talent. You're stacking basically. You're putting. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a thing. I'm trying to think of an analogy that's not a gun. Uh, you're giving yourself more shots. <laughs> you're giving yourself more shots at somebody working out at a very high level, uh, and doing that with quarterback is beneficial. So if I'm going to be extremely hopeful OU fan, extremely sunshine's coming down, the rainbows are still shining, the you know flowers are coming up, things are singing to me in the valleys in which I'm prancing around in Hochitown uh, today. OU right now is going after their body type guys, guys who are fast, guys who have size, because your high-level guys are the guys they're not pressuring, they're allowing them to enjoy this recruiting thing, but those guys will come later. Like they're not, you know, they're not going to make someone recruit and then them have him meaning hawing about if they're going to take a trip to AM or are they going to take the trip to Florida? It's like, do not commit to us unless you're ready. And those guys will come in. You'll, you'll see a Hicks, you'll see a, a LeBlanc, you'll see those types of guys. There's a, there's, you'll, there's multiple offensive linemen who are three, who are four and five star players who I believe will be committed to OU at the end of this cycle. They haven't popped yet. But now it seems like these body type guys, yeah, they're ready to go now. <laughs> they're like, Oklahoma's yeah. offering me a spot. Let's go pull the trigger. I mean, I can, let's, let's go. I think all three of us are extremely, extremely, extremely excited about what uh, Jared Cannick could do. And he was a three-star football player out of Kansas. I mean, I think everyone thought, everyone kind of thought it was his ranking. He was underranked, but I mean, maybe we're seeing more of those guys go early because they can go early and OU's, going to have the big fish come later now is that a scary game to play <laughs> yes yes it is i mean matt i mean do you think i'm do you think that's how it do you think we're just fishing and it's just like don't hey don't reel it in yet you gotta wait you right. gotta wait <laughs> right uh, i would i would lean on the don't panic button i would just lean like don't panic yet it's it's okay like It'll be fine. Like you said, the, the Hicks, the Renauds, the, like all those guys, they're obviously going to take their time. They're not going to take one visit to OU and be like, okay, yeah, no, this is the place for me. I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to commit and shut it down. Not going to go visit Alabama or Ohio state or these guys, like they're going to take their visits and take their time. But, um, but I think that's, that's the game you kind of, you kind of have to play in this day and age. You can't, you can't, you know, get mad and stop recruiting a guy because he won't commit right away or something like that. But as far as the, like you said, the, the sort of diamonds in the rough. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to commit now because you know, Oh, mm. Oh, OU's offering me like, all right. OU's yeah. offering me. They think they can like make something out of me and develop me and they see what they can do. Yeah. They'll commit right now. So I don't know. I, I don't see a problem with it. I would say let's, you know, get more into the season and all that stuff and then see where, where are you at before we start, we start panicking a little bit. Yeah. And just to kind of, you know, call, call back, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with OU's experience in recruiting just cause that's, you know, who I follow obviously. And when OU's recruiting started to dip around like the 2010 range, 
what mm-hmm. you saw in a lot of cases was like there'd be mention of highly highly talented guys and stuff but like it was it never seemed real like oh you would have a junior day event or what have you and they wouldn't be getting any of those big stars actually to come to campus even um you're seeing that with venables right now and this what the staff is doing that's that's not a problem like just because these you're getting all of these big names to come take a look at what you're doing to you know they're they're showing their own kind of interest in it as opposed to you know oh you kind of hoping to get on the fringe with somebody but like this is a different this is just a different level uh different way of doing things but again there's more interest from these upper echelon prospects than when OU was had kind of that early, you know, dip. And I understand when I say recruiting dip, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 12th, 15th, 18th, as opposed to eighth, fifth, seventh, but you know, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Like they just weren't there for those top, top tier guys. And right now, OU is getting those guys on campus. So they're, they are in the race for a lot of them. So, you know, hold steady. Yeah. And, and there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I think it's just going to, I mean, like, you know, Zadavian Sims, who's now lives in Durant, number one guy, uh, four star currently, a defensive line, um, you know, edge rusher. OU is going to be able to get some of these guys. But yeah, I mean, when you're looking at, and please, I mean, Eric, Eric McCarthy, I mean, uh, McCarty, McAllister, he's McAllister buff, you know, good job guy. I mean, you know, mm. Cade, Cade McIntyre, I'm not going to sit here and pretend they're moving my needle. You know, like, I'm not <laughs> like, it, it's not there. And that, and that's one of the reasons, but I personally, and uh, there's a message board, um, uh, uh, Red Dirt Sports on his Patreon, uh, go support him. Red Dirt's awesome. He, he helps us out a lot. Uh, but I was getting dragged personally about our, about my recruiting knowledge on the podcast. And I was like, it just does not interest me. Like, I wish it did. It's, so-and-so committed. Wow, man, I really hope he works out. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't have enough time to like hunt down. Oh, he visited that place. He went to this place. He really liked that coach. Someone retweeted him. and like, that just seems like a lot of effort to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. And to talk about something that doesn't seem to like spark my intellectual side of things. I mean, talking about NIL and talking about the move, the sec and like recruiting, like from a holistic point, oh man, corporate talk, holistic point of view, <laughs> To me, is always very, very interesting. But like the very specific, minute stuff about, oh, did you see so and so like so and so's Twitter account? It's just it blows my mind that there's a cottage industry for that. <laughs> but well, there is. Well, I've, People but I've got, know. Yeah, but I've got here's a here's a, now since we're talking holistic, I've got an interesting story that came up just today, actually, not involving OU, but on 3com I guess did some type of public records request for <clears throat> correspondence. I was taking place around that time when uh, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher got into that spat. I don't know if you noticed that. And, um, you know, it essentially said that A&M had approached the SEC about uh, reprimanding and uh, fining or even suspending Nick Saban for his comments, uh, what he said for what he said about uh, Texas A&M buying players and whatnot, right? And, you know, I think a lot of people jumped on that as like, and look at AM, what they're just being soft. What, you know, that's just silly. If that's your opinion, I think that's fine, whatever. 
but what I found found was really interesting was essentially like all, all the correspondence showed like Jimbo Fisher went completely off the reservation. Like he, they, they were asking for, you know, they were asking for this stuff from the sec Jimbo Fisher even talked to Sankey that morning and still went ahead with that press conference. So then when Sankey responded back with to Aiden's request, he basically said, well, you know, I'm just going to note that, you know, you had uh, your coach do the exact same thing <laughs> just this morning. So what do we do? And I, I only bring this up because like, it's more of an interesting story to me because like Jimbo Fisher's in this position now where he, is texas a&m football like yeah by the way they've set everything up right and you've seen this in the past guys like joe paterno or um you know art bryles or what have you when whenever coaches get to this point where they are just running the show it's never it well i can't say it's never a good thing but it tends to go badly or it just doesn't there's a lot of danger i think involved in that and, you know, I just, I just look at that. I mean, he made A&M's, he made theoretically his bosses, Ross Bjork and whoever the A&M president is, just look like complete fools by doing this and showing that they had no real, like, no real governorship over him at all. Like, I mean, I just thought it was a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's just looks like trouble to me. Yeah. There, there's some stuff too. I mean, if you guys follow Rob Bowron on uh, Twitter, great friend of the pod. We've had him on multiple times for the Patreon stuff. Very smart. He has been in on AM from that perspective of saying Jimbo Fisher has raised fan and booster expectations to such a level that he as a head coach will not be able to cash in on. Like he is he himself is not the type of head coach which is going to have them contending yearly, which is what you're hearing and seeing from oh, you, I'm sorry, A&M fans and A&M boosters being like, man, if we're paying for number one classes, we better be cashing in. You know, like we've, and it's just, you've got DJ Durkin, you've got, you know, it's just like these coaches, you're thinking like, is this really the kind of guys you're thinking is going to take you over the top, over Nick Saban, over Kirby Smart? And it's, you know, over Ryan Day at uh, Ohio State, who I have my own qualms about as a program runner. But, you know, if you can stack that much talent, it's hard. Uh, and I'm kind of buying into that. And maybe it's somebody who I, I don't want to say these guys ever look at themselves and see their own more, uh, more, more, more mortality to a certain degree. But I think Jimbo's got to know it's hard to win. It's hard to win in the SEC. And he's just sitting on a pressure cooker that is much much hotter and much much more stressful than anything he faced at florida state anything he faced as a coordinator uh, under nick saban and this is just another outlet another way it reminds me of another blowhard who was very quick to say things like all oh, things are rigged all oh, they're out to get us uh, <laughs> not put it together however you want to put it together uh, you know if you got to watch uh, the boys on a uh, on uh, amazon prime recently uh, there's a character named Homelander, and he was who who's basically evil Superman, and he's on like their news station saying like, "Oh, they are out to get us." And the guy's like, "Well, who's they?" He's like, "Oh, it's the rich and the powerful." <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> a, it's like you're rich and you're powerful. Like, what do you mean? Uh, but it does seem like it's just if A and M, in my opinion, especially like their fan base and everything there. And if we have any A and M listeners, I don't know, tweet at me. Um, 
<laughs> be, yeah, be mad. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a big thing of like we're winning off the field or whatever. Like it's very like watch how A and M fans interact with Texas fans. It's very. You know, it, it's it's very it's like oh we made oh, more it's, money it's oh price oh, of oils this much it's like it's everything I, I but on it. what's happening on the field. I love watching that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is it is hysterical. It's like Tobias and Lindsey Bluth, and it just seems like this is just another thing. But to talk about your point of view, I mean, maybe this is a thing that OU dodged the bullet on on Lincoln, like by not making him the end all be all guy. But if you give someone like what. What, what's Jimbo getting like 10 million guaranteed for seven years or something? Or I know he just got a contract extension. I mean, if you give him the full keys and you can't do anything about it. And then he does something like this. I mean, you did it to yourself. I mean, yeah. The, A&M, yeah. You know, the AD and the press is like, you played yourself. Like, yeah. I don't know what you expect out of that, but I, I, I mean, OU, like, OU's moving yeah. into that world. Well, like, and, and think, think about, I mean, is the SEC ever going to fine and suspend Nick Saban for that? I doubt it. No. You know, I mean, but like, if that's the case you're trying to build, like imagine what it would mean to get for, if you're A&M to get Nick Saban suspended. Right. And then, you know, you just have Jimbo come along and just undercut the whole thing right there. Like, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it's like, Jimbo, what Jimbo did probably would have been, was probably better for them in the sense that it was a better way of uh, getting, getting the boosters on his side or not, they're already on his side, but, you know, getting to open up the checkbooks and everything. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that A&M fans love, but um, you know, I mean, I just, I don't like that model of running a program. It's never the way that like, I, I feel like um, the alignment within OU's, you know, own um, athletic department has always been a key part of, you know, making the programs what they are. And you, you need kind of those internal checks and balances. Uh, you don't, you know, if everything is, you know, kind of like a power play, it just, it, it tends not to work out over time. So, you know, like that's the kind of thing where, you know, when I was reading, when, when people start talking about the things that Lincoln Riley was asking for from the administration, I look at it as like, these are things that he probably had good reason to ask for, what have you, but also the way that this was, that it was being done and the, you know, kind of process of the consultation process there, probably uh, what, what he was looking for just wasn't really like, you know, kind of fitting in that model of like a, you know, a holistic program with everybody kind of pulling the same direction. Yeah. And a and I don't know. a and is always going to be A&M. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's something on uh, uh, Joe Goodman. I think it's Joe Goodman. I think, I mean, he, he we've interviewed him as well. He writes about Auburn and, uh, and Alabama basically being like, 10 months ago, Auburn tried to do a CIA style coup on its own head coach yeah. and everyone's already forgotten because A&M's being insane. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, it's like, congratulations, A&M. You are now the new Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I mean, uh, it, it's, I'm used to certain fan bases. Like I'm used to Iowa state being annoying, having annoying fans. I'm used to Texas fans being, you know, very entitled about stuff. I'm, you know, you get, but we're going to walk into having to deal with A&M fans again. 
<laughs> having to deal with Auburn fans, having to deal with Tennessee fans who, you know, I mean, I guess the biggest one's like having to deal with people who like Clay Travis. It's going to be wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be wild. Um, but now moving on, let, let's give, let's give some of our, uh, let's give, let's give the, the, the teams that needs the teams that need it. We talked about it early from the top, living that high, living that natty light high, the patty light high. OU softball team back to back, winning their sixth overall national championship, uh, solidifying them in the third place of all time with six. Uh, more than likely seem like they will catch and surpass OU football uh, fairly quickly, uh, sadly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we're here. We're living in peak OU softball. Matt, give me the sights and the sounds, and and what what did you what did you see from all this? Man, uh, it was it was awesome. First off, congrats to to Patty, best coach on campus, has been for a while. Um, so shout out to her. Um, but yeah, no, I went to the uh, the Northwestern game, their first game of the World Series, where they won thirteen to one, and um, like we kind of joked about a while back, like their first two wins, I mean. They they won I think thirteen to one and nine to two I believe and um, you could call them comeback wins which is crazy <laughs> because mm. they got they got down early and then came back and then just I mean just won by a ton uh, I went to that one and then I went to game one of the uh, championship series against Texas where they beat them sixteen to one um, and you know what that, that that's always fun just watch just mm-hmm. beating the hell out of Texas it's always fun. You know, they were super excited. Hope Troutwine walked in a run um, in the first inning. And, you know, the Texas, they were rowdy. They were absolutely rowdy. And then uh, very quickly got a five spot put on them in the <laughs> bottom of the first inning. And uh, they really didn't get loud ever again. So it, that's always a great time when Texas fans uh, just stop making noise. It's just great. It's awesome. But now from this is like on paper, like even Patty Gasso even said it. She was like, I can't choose which one of my teams is like the best ever, like any teams are best ever. But if you look on paper, I think, you know, the answer she's like, I think, you know, the answer, like, I mean, this team is just insane. Them, like I compared it on radio this last week to Thanos, whenever, you know, he's got, he's got all five stones and then, you know, you get hope Troutwine and Jordy ball. That's like the last infinity stone because last year they won it. And despite, you know, G war is doing great uh in the world in the women's mm-hmm. college world series like they hadn't really had good pitching throughout that whole year they were just relying on just outscoring everyone and it was working and it worked and they won a national title but now they had great pitching not just good pitch they had great pitching to lean on as well as oh by the way our whole lineup is back that, that was you know set the record for most home runs in a season like it's just i keep saying there are levels you know, in every sport, there are levels, right? You know, uh, you play against LeBron James, like th- that's a that's a different level. That's different gravy. This whole OU team is just different gravy. They're playing a different game. It's almost weird, like watching them play because, you know, they're hitting home run. They're swinging away. They're aggressive. But when you watch other games, like I watched the OSU and Texas game uh, before that, the other semifinal game, and, you know, they're, they're bunting, they're sack flying, they're, they're manufacturing runs. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a different game that OU is playing. Like the, you just, it's home run after home run, base yeah. hit after base hit. They're aggressive, aggressive on the base path. Like it's just, it was so much fun to watch. They were playing, frankly, they were just playing a different game. 
than yeah. everyone. And I'm not saying that it's like cocky. They just are like, it's different too. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever, I mean, I kind of grew up around uh, baseball and then I was a manager for uh, Redlands community college, uh, their baseball team mm-hmm. uh, when I was getting my associate's degree. And I mean, when you're, when you're, you see a guy that can really hit that, like, like he's going to get drafted. He's going it, to, it's different. It sounds different when it comes off yeah. the bat. Like, it's just, it's different. Um, I remember that this is in the Wayback machine. I, I got the chance to work out, uh, do a basketball workout with uh, Rodney Clark. I don't know if you guys remember him mm-hmm. played at Vertigris. He's from Vertigris, yeah. Oklahoma played at Arkansas and then at Butler and then played overseas forever. Great player. He's set the record for most points in high school basketball history in Oklahoma, like just a complete stud. But even then, like, I, I like to fancy myself back in those days, a pretty good shooter. Uh, whenever he shot it, it was, it was like his misses were impressive. Like that's, there's, there's just different levels to different things. And anytime it comes off the bat, it like anytime Jocelyn Lalo hits one, it sounds like a damn gun goes off. Like, it's just like, it sounds different, man. That's really all I can say about this softball team is they're just dominant and levels above everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I only, you know, checked in really, I only check in the postseason or whatever, just mainly because it's on like same time NBA finals are on whatever, you know, so I'm checking and like, but the, the times when I did watch and when Aloe would turn on the ball, I mean, when she was, you know, pulling it to left field, it, uh, it was just shocking how quickly the ball got out. I mean, but then on top of that, that team played some unbelievable defense too. I mean, that home run that Jada Coleman robbed uh, in the outfield, you know, some of those plays they're making uh, on the infield, even when they were just like, uh, you know, flipping to turn two. I mean, man, it was just, I don't know much, much about the history of softball, but if there was a better team than that, that team must have been just unfathomably good because right. that OU team was just dominant. Right. And Jordy ball. I mean, like they, Patty Gasly even said it. She said she was 60%. Like yeah. she was hurt. She was maybe 60% playing that and pitched great um, against Texas in the final game. You mentioned the, I mean, the defense, Jada Coleman's catch. That's, mm. I mean, put that as the Jumpman logo, like put that <laughs> on the Jumpman logo. Yeah. And, um, but her Grace Lyons is probably the best defensive shortstop I've ever seen. She's just so smooth at second base with the transitions, getting the ball out of her hand. It's awesome. It's just awesome. They're, they're dominant. There's, there's no other word that you could use to describe them. And Oh, by the way, they just added former big 10 pitcher of the year and second team all American this year uh, in the pitching circle. From yeah, they Michigan, added so, uh, yeah. Alex, Alex, uh, man, I, I asked you how to say her last Staroka, name. I think, I think Soroka. Yes, Al- yes. Alex. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, the risk get richer. Oh, and by the way, they're bringing in you the think... number one pitcher in the nation too in high school and the number one hitter in the nation. So yeah, risk yeah, you, get richer. You, like you said, you, you think it's over. You think, Oh, they've peaked. Like you can only be at the mountaintop for so long. I mean, let's, I'll use actual mountaineering terminology from the many documentaries I've watched. <laughs> you can only be in the, you can only be in the death zone for so long. I mean, teams, they peak and then they fall back down and, like, look at the Golden State Warriors. They had peaked, and it looked like they were done. But now they're peaking again. That doesn't happen very often. You're only, you're only on the mountaintop for a certain amount of time, and you're thinking this is the best team that's ever happened, the best thing that's ever going to happen to OU softball. This is it. And they turn it around and say, how about instead we just get every pitcher who's good? 
and then <laughs> maybe play a little bit differently next year and just like shut people down in a different way. Um, but as you said, I think the ringer had an article written about OU uh, softball, about how it's changed the game. It's, you know, it's, it's all about the launch angle, baby. Just get under that ball. <laughs> it's, they, it's had a, they had a run differential of plus 514 on the season. If that makes, you know, it means they've scored 514 more runs in there than they gave up yeah. over the season. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's insane. And it's dominant. And the, I, I read the article from the ringer that you're talking about. And um, the, uh, the one that stuck out was, you know, everyone, everyone loves Jocelyn Allo, rightfully mm-hmm. so. She's the best hitter of all time. Um, they said that with this, this lineup, they averaged just over uh, nine runs a game. And second place didn't didn't uh, average over eight runs a game. They were like seven point nine five or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you took away Jocelyn Allo's eighty five RBIs, they would still average seven point nine three runs, which would be good for <laughs> second uh, in the yeah. nation. <laughs> if you took away all of her RBIs, it's just it's crazy, man. Like their top, their first four hitters, all first team All Americans. Yeah, Jada Coleman in center. Tiari Jennings or J- Jocelyn Allo was DH, uh, Tiari Jennings second base, and then Grace Lyons shortstop. So their top four hitters, all All Americans. I mean, all had double digit home runs. I think Coleman was the only one of those four who didn't have over twenty home runs. And like, it just it's nuts. And like, of those four, like they only lose one of them for next year. It's Jocelyn Allo. It's, yeah. it's it's nuts, man. Yeah, there, there was. I, I was asking some guys in a Twitter group I'm in, and I, I was like, "What would you give for OU football to be what OU softball is in relation to its competition?" I mean, it's like in. I mean, you'd basically make OU football Alabama overnight if if mm. you were to say they're this good, you know, this this much better than everybody. Uh, you know, some of that's going to change. Obviously, moving to SEC, I don't think they win forty of their games by run rolls. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be there, right in the mix, all the way going forward. And uh, Alex, if you're listening to this, I sent you a DM asking if you'll be on the podcast. Uh, please, uh, I would like to be on the. <laughs> I think it'd be funny. Uh, I think not. I mean, not funny. I think it'd be kind of cool to, to walk through that process. Uh, but I thought uh, it was. I thought it was great. Uh, Kamiar had a really good tweet. Yeah. Um, if you're not following Kamiar, go follow him. Uh, on Twitter. He's oh, yeah. a great Twitter yeah. follow. Crimson and cream machine. Yep. 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 He's a great Twitter follow. Um, but he had a great, t- he, he quote tweeted, uh, Alex, uh, Stroka. What I can't, I can't remember her name now. It's funny. We, we were literally Sirocco. just talking Sirocco. about Sirocco. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this before he came on too. <laughs> I already forgot. Um, but she was like, stop one on her like transfer visits. Yep. Stop one. It was like two days ago. And Kami, I was like, well, that's all it took. It was just that one visit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cancel all the other ones. That's it. Yeah. And in OU softball's new stadium going to hold just north of 3,000 people and everything. I mean, you're almost doubling a capacity. You know, they probably could have got a 5,000 seat thing built in there, but it's, I think it's smart to, to stay at that level in which you know you're going to have that sold out every single game, no matter what. I mean, they are the, they are the circus to a certain degree. And they're going to bring people in and put them in there. It's just cool to see. It's cool to see OU developing sports and those also becoming, I guess, from a math economic side, revenue generating at this point. I mean, just look at the TV ratings that are going in here. And I think as as a when I was talking to Ryan Chapman about it on uh, Joe Casilione was talking about, hey, our baseball program needs to be looking at the softball program 
is, is doing. Like, I mean, look at how this stuff is. This, these are short games. They're in and out. I mean, college baseball needs to be looking at how softball is performing their stuff. I mean, softball is out rating them on TV ratings on a per game basis, I believe. I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff you wouldn't have expected, especially if the stigma of women's sports versus male sports, because they don't call it men's baseball or, or whatever. Like, it's just, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, but uh, it's just a different type of thing, and it, it's exceeding well, and OU is really driving the factor there. Uh, but now to transition over to the to the other uh, stick ball, stick bat uh, program, hey, going to Omaha. I mean, man, 13 years, 12 years since uh, since we've been in that way. Uh, that's just kind of super cool. I mean, I didn't expect it in any way, shape, or form. I was like, well, maybe they'll get one on Virginia Tech, and that would be cool. I mean, you know, it's turkeys. What are you going to do? They're vicious animals. Uh, you know, they're giant velociraptors or whatever they said in the first Jurassic Park. We do a callback to the beginning <laughs> of the show. Uh, <laughs> Six-foot turkeys. Uh, you know, in, a, in my mind, I see, v, you know, Virginia Tech as like a, a perennial baseball kind of school kind of a power four seed. I was thinking, okay, if they can pull one out on them, I'll be happy for it. I already got a chance to laugh at OSU fans for hosting a regional and that's it. So, I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, I was good there, but they held out. They won it. They came back, won it 2-1. I mean, I mean, was Lincoln Riley like the needed sacrifice for all of OU athletics <laughs> to, to, to play championship level? Uh, I mean, <laughs> what's happening? Tennis, golf, softball, baseball. I mean, gymnastics. Yep, everything seems to be. Uh, I think Big Twelve. I think they 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 beat OSU in the wrestling standings or whatever. I can't remember the full standing. I mean, it's like OU across the board is performing like it's not just a football school. Uh, it's an everything school, as that football player tweeted out. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Man, it. Uh... No, that we talked about Jaden Col or Jada Coleman's catch too. Uh, Kendall Pettis had a great catch going over the the uh, the foul fence there on the left field side mm -hmm. and flipping over into the bullpen and making a great catch. And listen, they just dominated Virginia Tech in that in game three. Man, they won eleven to two. And you know, after Virginia Tech won game one, and their their pitcher who closed it out gave a little like he rubbed his mustache and then like waved by and then. Trevin Michael, pride of Piedmont, Oklahoma. That's where I'm originally from. <laughs> Shout out Piedmont, the Wildcats. Uh, but Trevin Michael closed that game out, and he did the whole little <laughs> mustache yeah. wave to, to Virginia Tech. It's just all awesome, man. Like uh, Peyton Graham, Jimmy Crooks, Tanner Treadway, I think was like four for four in game three. Like, I mean, the bats are alive. The bats are alive, and their pitching staff, like all their main pitchers, I mean, Sandlin, Horton, um, Jake Bennett, and and trevin michael like they're all from oklahoma too which i think is is really cool and uh especially kate horton too who in game three he just pitched he, he just pitched his ass off he was awesome he's a norman high kid like literally hometown kid for ou so it's just a great story and you know they got a match up on friday with with the old aggies we get some mm -hmm. sec baseball texas a&m how about uh, i saw the tweet in omaha i don't know if the nebraska people are ready for fans of OU, Texas A&M, Texas, and Arkansas all to be in the same place. Yeah, all, all at once. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Well, throw, yeah, I, throw in Ole yeah. Miss fans too. I mean, it's Ooh. going to be madness. Yeah. See, like, and you guys probably don't remember. I, I remember the last OU team that actually won the college football or uh, college world series. And, uh, 
man, like this team is very reminiscent of that. Cause that team wasn't anything special until they just caught fire late. And uh, I mean, they plowed through teams once they finally got to Omaha. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure we'll see the same thing here, but the point being, you know, you just got to get hot at the right time. Yeah. I mean, it does seem to be following a similar type of thing. This team has was kind of middling and then it got hot. And now, uh, like, you know, like Parker stat of wars kept saying they're going to, they've got like a 19% chance or something. I was like, oh, that you're, you're putting in too much of that early season into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in my opinion, this is a different team. Uh, but w- when was that last win? Cause I have no, re- I mean, I don't really follow college baseball too much. Yeah, but- I, you know what? I don't either. I just happen to remember cause it was the only time I do follow college yeah. baseball. I think it was, was like 1994. I, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Could you, can you tell us about the war? How was that like <laughs> when you used oil fat, like, like whale oil to light the lamps? Yeah. <laughs> we were eating, uh, yeah, great F cheese. And uh, once, once a uh, lunar cycle, I was able to eat some bacon and it was. Uh, yeah, the bomb sirens. I still remember them. No. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was an easy hit. I apologize, but it was just right in front of me. Once you yeah. said, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this. I was like, oh man, he walked right into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's all we've got. When we talked about, uh, we talked about the, the best program in OU uh, softball, the uh, up and coming program in baseball, trying to get this thing. They're still alive. They're still going. They have a tough bracket. As you said, we've got Notre Dame, the, the Catholics, uh, we've got the, uh, uh, the, you know, the oil cult. We've got those uh, those bastards from down south in Austin and OU all in one bracket. That's a weird little bracket. Not the biggest fan of uh, Notre Dame's weird Pope uniforms they wear. If you mm-hmm. guys saw those with the gold like floral design, they're weird. That's, it's bad. Very strange. It does seem like it's something from the Shamrock series <laughs> that they wore with the football. And I, I I'm a, a person who gets it. So I, I, I go to the uni watch blog every single day to look at the the uniform news. So I am an insane person, but that weird, they need uh, Notre Dame needs needs to quickly get away from under armor as fast as they can, uh, in my opinion, but whatever. Uh, and if, if Auburn can pull it off, six of the eight teams will be current or future sec uh, teams in, in the college world series. I mean, Things could not have been better for OU moving to the SEC. That's all I'm going to say. Sorry, Lincoln. Sorry for your loss. Uh, you missed out on a cool chance. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's all I've got. Um, Alan, have I missed anything that you can think of that we've written down? Is there anything that I, that, that I may have overlooked? Oh, I mean, there's always something, but I'm sure we can get to it next time. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I think there's one thing left to do. You know how to do it. I used to do it. Alan will never do it. I don't know why. No chance. But we have someone who does do it now. Matt. Boomer!